I worked with uh, Dustin, and uh, he his dad also worked with us, and so we knew he was sick. And he was he was sick, and you know you're hearing a lot of people in your life have COVID, and um, you know you pray for them to be okay. And his dad came to work that day, anyways, knowing he was in the hospital. He he wasn't on he wasn't even serious at that moment. His dad was just working. And then around two o'clock in the afternoon, his dad just jumped up from his seat because he got a phone call. Just jumped up from his seat and uh, was gone. I mean, out the door, gone. And then he calls me from his truck and says that and he's, he's absolutely bawling. He says, but I just got a phone call from the doctors and said that Dustin has two hours to live. And uh, Dustin's a young young guy. It's the only, their only child. And um, I've known I've known uh, his dad for for probably 20 years. And um, his son is his, is, his, is his little buddy. It's his only child, and they're friends. And so when he said he had two hours to live, they uh, he was gone. And I and at that moment, so I've prayed my whole life for people. You know, you stop and you pray for somebody and take a moment to pray. But this is one of those moments that I closed the door to my office and just stared at the wall for like two hours praying. It was one of those kind of things. And um, I sent I sent um, text messages to my mom and said, please spread the word and prayer requests. And then sent Terry a message, please add it to prayer list now. This is an emergency. Please, please, please. This guy can't die, you know. And uh, and it, it's just the whole office, the whole office environment just like stopped. It was almost like it was in slow motion for a couple of hours, not knowing what was going to happen to this kid, you know. And then. Um, that afternoon, like 4.30 or 5, it's just like walk, sitting, walking on pins and needles, you know. He, uh, he, he called or Timmy text messages and says that he's, uh, he's stable and he's on life support and they put him into a coma. You don't know what that means, you know, on life support. That sounds bad, uh, but he was on life support and you're thinking every day, okay, he'll be off tomorrow. Hopefully he's getting better, but um, his oxygen levels weren't coming up, so they just kept him on life support and kept him uh, sedated and un under a uh, coma. And so two weeks go by, and they start talking about trying to wean him off of life support. And I'm praying every day. Me and Trey are talking. My mom and I are talking. Just please get the prayers coming because this kid, this kid can't die. And um, they finally decided to take him off of life support like two weeks later. And um, he didn't react very well to it. So they put him back on life support. And then they had plans to wait two days, and they were going to try it again. And then they were just, whatever happens, happens. That's basically what's going to happen. And that was on a Sunday. Um, so I came to church thinking about him and his family the entire time in service. Songs, songs you guys were playing up there in the front, just hitting home big time what was going on, you know, moving mountains. I know, I trust you can move mountains. And, and um, like, Lord, if it's going to happen, this is your chance to move some mountains with his family. And um, so at the end of the service, I woke up and get a prayer shawl. And I've done that a few times for people in my life. And, those are pretty meaningful people you give those to, but I had a prayer shawl and asked, to put on my shoulders and asked uh, Brother Trey to pray over me, pray over me as if I'm, if I, if, as if I'm Dustin. And uh, he did. And uh, I've heard about, I heard about staying in the gap before, but I've never done it. Uh, at least not in that, that sense. At that moment, I just heard every word Trey said um, and prayed over me for the doctors, to guide the doctors. And it's crazy. I get home and uh, 45, they, they pulled him off life support 30 minutes after that uh, prayer up front. They pulled him off life support. Uh, I, didn't know that, I didn't know they were doing that at that time, but they pulled him off life support 30 minutes later. And then about 25 minutes or so after that, they pulled him off life support, he wakes up and says, hi, mom. 
And uh, man, I've, I have never been a part of something like that where prayer is actually answered that, um, that obvious to me. And uh, I, I, you know, it, I just never, ha never happened that close to home to where a prayer was answered. Um, and I don't know why God answers certain prayers or, or you visually, I don't I, prayers are answered in different ways, you know, but I don't know why he answers prayers, but this one was an obvious one to me that he was involved throughout that whole two week time frame, specifically that Sunday. Um, I feel like that the prayer uh, over me in front of the church was answered. I feel like that God intervened in that moment and he could have easily woken up, not, not woken up, but he woke, wakes up an hour after Trey praying over me and says, hi, mom. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man. I knew it was going to be hard to try to preach after that. Uh, isn't that an amazing story? Uh, I just am so thankful to Brian for, for sharing that with me and with us. And, uh, and like Brian, I don't, I don't, uh, I won't pretend to stand up here and tell you that I understand all of the, the logistics and the mechanics of, of prayer, but I do believe that God did something amazing and God used Brian in an amazing way. And, uh, and God is still using Brian in an amazing way as he tells that story and as we hear it and it, and it affects our hearts. Uh, today, uh, the title of my sermon is uh, Generous Conductor, and, and I think Brian is an example of that, of allowing uh, God's, God's love and God's grace to, to flow through him. So I'm just so thankful to him, uh, and I'm so thankful that, that we got to hear that today. So, and, and like he said, thank you, God. That's all you can say, right? Thank you, God. I know there are so many stories like that uh, among, among our fellowship family, and, and I hope that we will keep telling them. Uh, I would love to, to share a story like that uh, every week. And so if you have stories of God moving in your life and in your midst that you would be willing to share with us, I'd love for you to contact me or, or uh, contact our staff and just let us know so that we can keep telling those stories and keep uh, bearing witness to, to the God who is, is alive and active in, in our midst. So, um, so I just wanted to share that with you before we get started today. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to... Uh, to really start today, uh, start my sermon by uh, sharing with you a little something about myself. I, a few weeks ago, I shared with you that I'm becoming a little bit of a builder. Those of y'all that were here, I got to share a little bit of my, my building, my woodworking that I've been doing, and uh, appreciated all your gracious comments on that. But uh, today, I just wanted to share with you something else. I, I'm actually becoming a little bit of an electrician, too. And uh, yeah. <laughs> And, and what I mean by that, when I say I'm becoming a little bit of an electrician, I mean I've almost electrocuted myself uh, multiple times over the last few weeks. And so I, uh, I know that's, that's shocking, isn't it? Um, thank you for laughing at that. Um, I wanted to share with you a couple of things that have happened to me over the past few weeks. I almost electrocuted myself a couple of weeks ago changing the battery on my car. I decided to do all that myself, and so I got my ratchet set out, and I got the ratchet a little bit too close to, the, to one of the battery terminals, and that's, that's a bad word for those, by the way, battery terminals. Um, and uh, so I got a little bit too close, and sparks flew everywhere, and my wrench just flew right across the garage. I was so thankful that it did, right, and I was okay, but I made it through that. 
And uh, then after that, a few days after that, my our, our dishwasher at our house uh, stopped working. And so I thought, well, you know, I can fix that. I can do that. So, um, so we got a new dishwasher, and I decided to take the whole thing apart. And I was probably... 15 or 20 minutes into it, I'd removed uh, all, you know, the, trying to get the casing off and everything. I was spilling water all over myself, all over the floor. And then finally, I just got to this place where I, I, I committed the, the mortal man sin and I decided to get out the instructions and uh, decided to read about what, you know, I was supposed to be doing. And right there at the very top, the very first step uh, reminded me of something that I had not done. It said, make sure that you turn off the breaker to the uh, dishwasher before you start working on it. So again, I was, I was spared and I was thankful that I made it through that. Uh, I hadn't touched any of the wires yet. Uh, but then here's the last one. This is just a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm becoming a little bit of an electrician, right? So uh, I decided we, the first time in the house we've lived in, we lived there for four years. And it's the first time we've had to change the light bulbs in the living room. And in our living room, it's like one of those tall ceilings, you know, where it's like, you know, 25, 30 feet in the air, right? So I, I never knew how they changed those, but then ours went out, so I had to figure it out, right? So I got on Amazon, and I bought one of those big... Uh, plastic poles, right? The ones that extend all the way up to the ceiling. Y'all seen those before? I bought one of those, and so I, I, uh, I extended it up there, and I popped it on there. It had a little suction cup, you know, at the end, and I twisted the bulb, and I brought it back down, and perfect, right? Flawless. So I'm halfway there, and so I put the bulb on, the new bulb on the pole. I run it back up there, and I screw it in, and um, by the way, there was also this little string uh, attached to a hook that uh, came in the box, and I thought, well, I wonder what that's for. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have too much time to think about it. I was in a hurry, and so I, I took it up there, and then I screwed the bulb in, and then when I went to pop it off, um, it was still stuck to the, the suction cup, right? So, um, so not only did I pull the bulb out, I pulled the casing and all the wires and everything out uh, the ceiling. What I found out was that little string is supposed to attach to the suction cup, and when you pull down on it, some of y'all are shaking your head like, yeah, that's what it is. You didn't know that? And uh, evidently, that's supposed to, you know, detach the bulb so that you can bring it down. But anyways, um, thankfully, uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all just think I'm so crazy, don't you? I, I, I appreciate y'all being so nice to me. I've told you about my brothers that can fix, my, my uncles that can fix everything, you know, and they kind of look at me like, bless your heart. Yeah, that's kind of how y'all are looking at me right now. But um, I, I share that with you because, uh, you know, thankfully the end of that pole is made of rubber, right? And, uh, and uh, so because of that and because I was wearing my rubber-soled shoes on all three of those occasions, uh, I'm here today to tell the, the tale of those, right? Uh, so it got me thinking, though, as I was preparing for the message today, it kind of reminded me of, of my elementary school or elementary science class. You remember where they, they taught us about uh, insulators and conductors? You remember insulators and conductors, right? Uh, you probably know this, but just in case, here's a little recap, right? Insulators are the materials that electricity can't flow through, right? Like, like my, my rubber sole shoes and, uh, you know, things of that nature, right? Uh, but conductors are materials that electricity can flow through, right? Like, like my ratchet or like my fingers if I had touched uh, any of those wires, right? We, our bodies, are natural conductors, right? Uh, well, that's kind of what I want to talk about for just a few minutes this morning. I promise there's a point to all this. Uh, but first, today's week three of, uh, of our series that we're doing called We is Greater Than Me. I talked about that a little earlier. This is, this is our series. This is the conversation that we've been having about uh, this idea of whole life generosity and the idea of sharing life together 
in Christ. Uh, we've been learning together what it looks like for us to be uh, more generous people, for us to be a more generous church for no other reason than that we want to be more like Jesus. And, and see, that's the point. Jesus was, was generous in every part of his life. And so, so I want to be generous and I want us to be generous as a reflection of our relationship with Christ. See, so many times uh, when we talk about generosity in the church, it's all about stewardship, and that's part of it, but generosity isn't just about stewardship. Generosity is about, it's about discipleship. And, and so, so what we've decided to do over the next few weeks, what we've been doing, what we're gonna be doing, is we're just gonna be looking at some, some everyday examples, uh, some stories of people whose lives are examples to us of whole life generosity. Uh, last week, we, we looked at the story of a woman named Ruth and, and her covenant with her mother-in-law, Naomi, how her generous commitment to her chosen family, her faith and perseverance in the midst of, of difficulty, it became not only her legacy uh, for generations to come, but it literally prepared the way for the coming of Jesus. We talked about how Ruth married Boaz, and, and, uh, and then from the marriage of Ruth and Boaz, uh, generations to come came King David, and from generations to come from that came Jesus. So, so the idea was that the point was that God not only blessed Ruth through her generous commitment, but God blessed God's people for generations to come. That's the beauty of this idea of whole life generosity. It's not just about our blessing, but it's about those being blessed uh, through us for generations to come. That brings us to, to today's story that I want you to hear. This is the story of, of one of Ruth's descendants named David. Now, I know you've probably heard of David before, right? If we, we heard the stories when we were kids, we've heard about the story of David and Goliath, right? How, how the little shepherd boy from Bethlehem bested the giant uh, from among the Philistines. Well, the rest of the story is that child grew up to be, to be the king, the king of, of all of Israel. And as king of Israel, David was given the task of building a kingdom among God's people. Uh, he was also tasked with, with building a place for God's people to worship the one true king, Yahweh, right? That took place in, in the tent, and it would eventually take place in the temple, so the kingdom that David built was, was greater than any that God's people had experienced before. And so the next thing that David wanted to build was a temple for the Lord, a permanent place of, of worship where people could gather and, and lift up the name of Yahweh above all the other names that, and, and, and idols that were being worshiped in the land. But what we're gonna see today is in our story, they, the Lord told David that, that he wouldn't be the one to build the temple. Actually, that honor would be for his son, Solomon. But David was tasked with preparing the way for the next generation. So, so what you'll see is David put his own plans aside and he did everything that he could to set up his son to succeed. He allowed the blessing that he had been given by God to flow through him to be a blessing to God's people for generations to come. This is where the scripture lesson meets our little science lesson this morning. The point I wanna make for you today is that David lived his life as an example of what I'd like to call a generous conductor. He allowed God's grace to flow through him. He allowed the forgiveness of God, the love of God to flow through him freely. David was, was known as a man after God's own heart. 
because he didn't insulate himself with, with the comfort and convenience that came along with his crown. He didn't insulate himself from God's call or God's correction or God's commission. He wasn't just building his kingdom. He became a conduit for building the kingdom of God because he knew that everything that he had and everything that he was was a gift from God. So he made it his mission in life to be a good steward of all that God had entrusted to him and to pass it on, pass on those blessings to those who are under his care. So I want you to hear this scripture lesson this morning. It's a great example of this truth uh, of how God prepare or how uh, God uses David to prepare future generations to worship. Uh, just like last week's story about Ruth, his generosity also prepares the way for the coming of Christ. So uh, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of First Chronicles, I'm going to read from uh, chapter 22 this morning, starting at verse 5. It's also going to be on the screen. It's in your sermon notes as well. But I want you to hear this, God's word for us today. David said, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. His death. Then he called his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, but this word of the Lord came to me. You have, shed much, you have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because the, you have shed much blood on the earth and in my sight, but you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. Now, the name Solomon, it sounds like the, the, word, the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. So you will name him Solomon, and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. So here's the promise. And, and then now I'm going to skip a few verses. I'm going to go down to verse 14 because I want you to hear David's generosity, his example of generosity in response to God's generosity to him. David says, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord, a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too, too great to be weighed, and, and wood and stone you may add to them. You have many workers, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work and the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. He said to them, is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not granted you rest on every side? Or he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hands and the land is subject to the Lord and his people. Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into the temple that it will be built for the name of the Lord. This is God's word for us today. I wanna take a step back just a little bit from this story for just a minute, and I wanna give you just a little synopsis of David's life, just to give us context this morning. Why, why David's life 
uh, this story and beyond is such a great example for us of, of what it means to be a generous conductor. Uh, so David was a man from humble beginnings who, who rose to great heights of power and influence. Uh, David was one of the most memorable men in Israel's history, but, but David also uh, was a man of, of war. He's a man who had committed uh, also acts of moral failure. He, he brought his, more than his fair share of suffering on others. So, so David was both rich and powerful and also real and fallible. I think that's why he's an example uh, for us today. But even beyond all of his imperfections, what was most important about David both then and now was that he was a person who was completely sold out to God. He, he was seeking God in the midst of every situation and season of his life. David knew that God had raised him up from nothing and given him almost everything he could have ever wanted. He knew that through feast and famine, through flourishing and failure, God had remained devoted to working in and through his life. So David, I think, is the perfect example for us of an imperfect person who had been blessed abundantly by a loving God. David, as you can hear from the story, he had almost unlimited resources, almost unlimited influence among the people of God. He could have used all of those blessings to insulate himself from the world around him to make idols of his own affluence and influence, to rely on his own resources, to run his life and his kingdom the way that he wanted to. But that's not what happened. See, David was so moved with such deep gratitude to God that he determined to be a blessing to others. He was obedient to God, so much so that he was willing to, to put aside his own uh, plans to, to set up the next generation to be able to experience the same kind of blessings that, that, that he experienced as they worshiped the same God that David worshiped. See, the temple was, was to be this monument to the God who had done so much for God's people, and it was, but it's also this great example to us of what God can do through the life of someone who's willing to put aside their own power and prestige, who's willing to possibly even sacrifice their own safety and security to become this generous conductor of God's blessing. See, the truth is David never benefited from the temple, but he knew others would. And so the temple is this perfect reminder of God's presence and provision and, and power. They, the temple was understood by God's people for generations to be the dwelling place for God himself. David wrote in the Psalms from his earthly throne, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. And yet the temple and the throne would, would ultimately point God's people to this time and place where God would dwell among his people where the true king would sit upon the throne. The covenant that God made with David and his descendants was that God would bless all the kingdoms of this world by sending a savior through David's line. The temple and the throne would point to a person, prophet, priest, and king that through his life and death and resurrection, Jesus would be the generous conductor of God's grace once and for all. They're all generations. 
that he would build the kingdom of God right here on earth as it is in heaven, that he would build his church on, on the rock of Peter's profession of faith. You remember, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He would be the cornerstone that the builders rejected that would become the foundation of the new temple, the real temple, not made by human hands, but with the living stone of God's people through the power of the Holy Spirit. For generation to generation, even to now. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul teaches us that the temple of God isn't a building where God's people gather, but, but the bond by which they gather. He calls us as followers of Christ, the church, fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, Paul says, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling by which God lives by his spirit. See, the good news of God's grace is that Christ has come to us. He lived and died and rose again so that we might be recipients of all of God's abundant blessings through faith, that, that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. People just like you and me. So that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we might become generous conductors of God's grace to those around us. So that we might be light in this dark world. So that through our love for one another, it might light up the whole household of faith, the entire community, the entire world as the love of God flows through us to others like electricity. Every time we make a generous commitment to Christ through our lives and our life together, through our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service, in our witness, every time we allow our resources to become a reflection of our relationship with God through our relationships with others, the kingdom of God breaks through right here, right now. We're letting God continue to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven in us and through us as generous conductors of God's grace. That's that's what this idea of me is greater than we is all about. That's what, that's what whole life generosity is all about. That's what sharing life together in Christ is all about. It can happen right here, right now. But the choice is ours, right? We have to decide to, to give it all to the one who gave it all for us. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking not... Not many of us have all the resources that King David did, right? <laughs> not even close. Uh, not many of us have his power and his prestige. Not, not many of us have his affluence or influence. But in our own ways, we all have influence. We all have uh, direct contact and, and, uh, and influence over uh, people around us and people under our care. And so the question today is, is this, I think, how are, how are you going to use your influence or your affluence? Are you going to use it to build your own little kingdom or are you going to let God use it to build his kingdom? 
Will we choose to pursue power and, and prestige? Will we seek safety and security? Or will we seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and allow God to add all those things unto us, to provide us with everything we need? Are we gonna use all the blessings from God to, to insulate us from the world around us? Make idols of our own influence and affluence and independence? Are we gonna use our resources to run our lives and our little kingdom the way that we want to? Or will we be so moved with gratitude to our gracious God that we determine to be a blessing to others for generations to come? I think that's the question this morning. And at the risk of uh, mixing my metaphors today, I wanna close by sharing one more illustration with you. I borrowed this from one of my friends, Rick Warren, my, my favorite pastors, I mean, Rick Warren. He says this, a uh, friend sent me this devotional this week, and I think it was so appropriate for today, so I wanted to pass it on to you. Rick Warren says, what God gives to you, he wants to give through you. Let me say that one more time. What God gives to you, he wants to give through you. And so uh, what Rick says is that God looks at God's people and asks, will you be a, a cup or a straw. He says, if you're a cup, you get filled up and then that's it. But if you're a straw, you're basically saying to God, fill me up so that you can channel your blessing to others through me. I want, I want, I want you to flow through me to others. I want to be a, a channel of blessing to those around me. Rick says, that's the kind of person God wants to bless. So my question this morning that I wanna leave you with is, is his. Will you, will you be a cup or a straw? I, I, I think about it all, I've thought about it all, all week because you know I carry my cup around with me and I, I leave it all over the church, right? But um, this has is, this is served as a reminder to me this week. Do I wanna be this, this insulated cup or do I wanna be this metal straw? Do I wanna be an insulator or do I wanna be a conductor for Christ? and for his kingdom. How about you? Are you gonna get filled up today and, and that's it? Or are you gonna take what God's given you today and share that blessing with others as you allow the love of Christ to flow through you to those around you? Last thing, God's grace was able to flow through David because he had opened himself up to receiving God's grace right, in his own life. There's a powerful principle here. Nothing can flow through you that has not first filled you. I wanna say that one more time. Nothing can flow through you that has not first filled you. God's grace can't flow through us unless we've allowed God's grace to fill us. So, so this morning, the band's gonna come back up and we're gonna move into a time of, of prayer and reflection. And as we do, I just... I just have to ask you this this morning. Is there something that you need to open yourself up to God to, 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 to receiving from God this morning so that you can respond to this message of sharing with others today? Is, is there anything blocking the flow of forgiveness in your life today, both to you and through you? Is, is there something keeping God's grace from penetrating your heart and allowing you to pour out grace to someone else? Is, 
Is there something keeping you from the compassion of Christ that's also keeping you from compassion for someone else? Where, wherever you are today, maybe, maybe it's something that I didn't mention, but wherever you are today, I just wanna invite you to open yourself up to God, to allow yourself to receive whatever it is that God has for you today, to consider whatever blessing God wants to give you so that it might flow through you to bless someone else today. And along with that, there's a promise from God's word. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform not only supplies the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I can't quit thinking about Brian's video, how it just ends with, thank you, God. What, what can we consider today that the result would be someone else saying, thank you, God? Are you willing to share what God has supplied to become a generous conductor of God's grace to this world that so desperately needs it? When you do, every time, in big ways and small ways, I believe the lights come on in this dark world, and those around us can see Christ in us and through us. I wanna pray for that this morning. I wanna pray that for you and for me. Will you, will you join me for a word of prayer? God, we thank you for your presence and provision and power in our lives and in our life together. Uh, God, we have been so blessed in so many ways, more than we probably even know. Uh, through our trials and hardships and difficulties of life, Lord, you have been so faithful uh, to walk with us, to carry us, to give us everything that we need. And so, Lord, I pray today that we might just uh, open our hearts to you and pour out praise for your graciousness and generosity in our lives, for your, for your love that's unconditional and unending. Lord, I pray that you might fill us up today so that your love might flow through us, that we might be generous conductors of your grace to those around us, whatever that looks like, God. Fill us up and flow through us to those around us so that we and every person that we come into contact with might be moved to say, thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we sing our closing song today, the I want to invite you to stand and, and our altars are going to be open. If you'd like to come and pray about anything this morning, anything whatsoever. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you would like to get one of these prayer shawls to take to someone uh, this week, I want to invite you to do that. You may just want to stay in your, your seat and, and pray this morning. But I want to just encourage you again with just the last few minutes we've got this morning together uh, to respond to whatever it is that God is, is placing on your heart today. So let's stand and continue to worship.